Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. I have a dream, he said. I have a dream. One hundred years later, the life of the Negro, he said, is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. So we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition, he said. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, said Martin Luther King Jr., a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. I have a dream. I have a dream that children will one day not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. If America is to be a great nation, this must become true. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and I also have a dream. I'm concerned that the dream, however, has become a virtual nightmare. Why has the dream not been fulfilled? Why is it that the year after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave that speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, why is it that these years later, the hope of black America has actually degenerated since one year later the Civil Rights Act was passed, 1964. How is it that with so much progress, there has been so much decline? We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint. Is the dream still alive? Or have we moved from freedom to bondage? While we pursued civil rights, have we missed out on pursuing Christian responsibility rooted in righteousness? That's what we want to take a look at here today on Viewpoint. And as always, it's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. So let us hear from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., 1963. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. 
This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created
must become true. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring. I agree. Let freedom ring. But how? How has perhaps freedom become tarnished? Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. I have always had a dream for our country, always, ever since I was a young lad, maybe around the age of 10 years of age, I have been a supreme patriot, have desired to see righteousness flourish in America, to live up to its promise, to live up to the dream. Unfortunately, the more we claim rights, the less we live righteously. The more we claim rights, civil rights, the less we display Christian responsibility and righteousness. Why is that? Is it enough to make a speech? Or must our life reflect the rhetoric? Rhetoric, or as they say, words are cheap. No matter how beautifully they're expressed, words are cheap. The life is what really speaks. And today we're going to talk about the impact of the life. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and your life and my life. Because ultimately, the only thing we really have to speak is our life. It has been said that our actions speak more loudly than our words. In fact, they speak so loudly that people can't hear our words. The problem is that oftentimes the actions are behind the scenes that have not been revealed timely so that the words take precedence until, unfortunately, the words become colored by the lack of character behind them. If we are to be judged by the content of our character rather than the color of our skin, Perhaps we ought to begin with character rather than skin. And so today, we take a look at the life of Martin Luther King Jr. and its impact upon we the people, upon the life of our country. And anything that is said today is not to demean the message The problem is that oftentimes the life of the messenger inevitably demeans the message. So as we today, in all of the efforts to supposedly bring out the reality and truth of history and not to hide behind rhetoric, 
Maybe this is a good place for us to do that. And so we're going to do that. Not for the purpose of defaming the messenger who delivered a famous and needed message. One that has echoed down over the years to this very day with the same level of potency, however colored by the revelation of promiscuity. I have a dream. Delivered by American civil rights activist and Baptist minister Martin Luther King Jr. Delivered to over 250,000 civil rights supporters from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. The speech was a defining moment of the civil rights movement and among the most iconic speeches in American history. With a single phrase... King joined Jefferson and Lincoln in the ranks of men who have shaped modern America. Yes, he did. I have a dream. It was wildly hailed as a masterpiece of rhetoric. A masterpiece of rhetoric. Who would deign to dismiss that? Certainly not I. Many people... Many black leaders felt that it didn't go far enough, that it should have been far more wild, far more angry, far more dissonant. But it wasn't. If it had been, it would not echo down to today. But because it was not, it echoes down to our time. With validity in its message, however negatively it may be colored, by the revealed character, or lack thereof, of the messenger. Rhetoric. A masterpiece of rhetoric, but not a masterpiece of humanity that delivered it. Quite the contrary, as we will see today here on Viewpoint. In the wake of the speech in March, Dr. King was named Man of the Year by Time Magazine, For 1963 and in 1964, he was the youngest man ever awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And by the way, rightly so. I would not contest that at all. I would not contest the power of the speech. The rhetoric was righteous rhetoric. The life behind the rhetoric was not, however. And therein lies the problem. So I have a question, particularly for those who are African-Americans or black, however you want to designate yourself. To what extent are you willing to allow the life, the actual life of Martin Luther King Jr. to be revealed so as to call for a deepened righteousness in the nation. Not civil rights, but spiritual responsibility, spiritual reconciliation, spiritual righteousness. Because as the scripture says that righteousness alone exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Did Martin Luther King Jr., display that righteousness. 
For those who listen to the rhetoric, they could hardly believe otherwise. But to those who heard surreptitiously the reality of his life and practices, it was a very different story. A very different story indeed. David Garrow, the Pulitzer Prize-winning biographer of Martin Luther King Jr., has unearthed information that, as one writer says, may forever change King's legacy. Now, I don't know about you, but legacy is a very big thing for me, a very big thing. One of the things that I am becoming ever increasingly aware of is how all of us hold this treasure of the gospel in an earthen vessel. Which means, as some have said, we're just all a bunch of crackpots. We leak. And we don't necessarily live up with perfection to the call to be perfect. Jesus called us to be perfect. The apostle, the apostle Paul said that forgetting those things that are behind, I'm going to reach forward to those things that are before. I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One of the problems that we hear in the rhetoric from Martin Luther King Jr., however, is not the pressing toward the mark in Christ Jesus, but it's pressing toward a more secular version of a unified brotherhood. It's always troubled me. The brotherhood of nations, the brotherhood of the people, and yet the Bible specifically focuses on the brotherhood of the saints. But if we're not willing to focus primarily on the brotherhood of the saints, but talk about a more generic brotherhood, we have already, in effect, diluted the biblical message of the brotherhood of the saints that have become one in and through the blood of Jesus Christ. One blood. Yes, we're all, as human beings, of one blood. We all come through Adam. We all come through Noah, every one of us. Regardless of color, regardless of skin, regardless of heritage, we all come through Adam and we all come through Noah. There's no place for pride, no place for arrogancy. And if we are in Christ, we're new creatures through the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin, so then we become one in and through the last Adam, Jesus Christ. But if we don't emphasize that aspect, we are always going to be prone to compromise the ultimate message. And when you compromise an ultimate message in order to achieve greater impact on a, shall we say, a narrow focus, such as civil rights, you will inevitably end up with fruit that does not reveal the underlying faith that you alleged. And unfortunately, that's what happened in the life and through the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Indeed, 
a dear sister that uh, we have had on this program, the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., has spoken concerning this matter, has spoken concerning the, uh, the impact of the speech, Dr. Alveda C. King. She says, as we remember the birthday, achievements, and lasting contributions of Dr. King this year, it now, more than ever in our nation's history, is important to never forget to honor God. The niece of Dr. King sees through the rhetoric. Now, she doesn't come out and openly chastise Dr. King, but indirectly she is saying he didn't quite get there. He focused on ultimately the wrong thing or the route to get to the righteousness that he proclaimed with his rhetoric. As we remember his birthday and achievements and lasting contributions, and we do that here today without excuse. But now more than ever in our nation's history, it is important to never forget to honor God. For as the prophet Samuel said, them that honor me, I will honor. Unfortunately, Dr. King has tarnished his honor through righteousness that did not reveal the content of the message, but rather the content of a character that was not Christ-like, not even close. So, his niece, Dr. Alveda C. King, says, I still have a dream, a dream deeply rooted in the American dream, One day, this nation will rise up and live up to its creed. Okay, what would that creed be? If you were to talk to Abraham Lincoln, who gave us the Emancipation Proclamation, he quoted the scripture saying that this nation, that righteousness alone would exalt this nation. Why is it that we haven't been calling for righteousness? Why is it that our our goal is to continue to call for rights rather than righteousness? Because rights are how we view things from a selfish, personal, or fleshly view. Righteousness is how God views us from his viewpoint. And his viewpoint is the only thing that ultimately matters. If we were actually to pursue righteousness, we would get civil rights in the process. But if you pursue only civil rights, you don't get righteousness. You get color-based selfishness, which is reverse racism. And that's where we are today. The dream is becoming a color-based nightmare. Whether it was from the Black Power Movement in the 1960s, after Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, or moving on to the ML, uh, BLM movement today, they are all based upon selfish, color-based racism. Dr. Alveda C. King says, we need to let our leaders know 
that babies in the womb are among those men who were created equal, and that to destroy them in the womb is to deny them their inalienable right to life. Why wouldn't that be preached in the name of Dr. Righteous, Dr. MLK, Martin Luther King Jr.? Uh, because we have a selfish agenda, not righteousness. We'll be right back, friends. Oh, we have barely scratched the surface. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. If you would carry a cause, you must first carry the character that gives strength and purpose and trustworthiness to the cause. Even if you're capable of the world's greatest rhetoric and lack righteousness, you're going to have a problem. You don't necessarily know when that problem is going to surface. Jesus talked about this kind of thing when he said, what is done in the darkness will be shouted from the housetops. David Garrow, the Pulitzer Prize winning biographer of Martin Luther King Jr., has unearthed information that he says may forever change King's legacy. He said, I'm an MLK scholar, and I'll never be able to view King in the same light. And that should be true whether we're black or white or green or red or purple or chartreuse, whatever color our skin might be or whatever hue it might be. We can't be defensive if we're Christians. Because if we're truly Christians, we would be absolutely hammering on the issue of character. As Dr. Martin Luther King did, he said that we would no longer, our children would no longer see color, but the content of our character. Now, in the name of anti-racism, we reveal, we see revealed, unfortunately and painfully, the extremely clay feet and unrighteousness of the life of a man claiming to be a Baptist pastor with that authority, the authority of the cloth, so to speak, who led a profoundly unrighteous life. 
and not using the term lightly, profoundly unrighteous. Does that change his message? No. It doesn't change the message, and we give honor to the message. We even give honor to the messenger, notwithstanding his clay feet, but the unrighteousness of the life behind the rhetoric colors the trustworthiness of the messenger. It colors everything. And that's what David Garrow is saying. An official biographer of Martin Luther King Jr. in an 8,000-word article published in the British periodical Standpoint magazine, Garrow details the contents of FBI memos that he discovered after spending weeks sifting through more than 54,000 documents located on the National Archives website. Initially, these were sealed by the court order until 2027, just like Pfizer is seeking to protect and hide and seal all of their records by court order until 50 years from now. Why would we want to seal records like this? It's because of what they contain, friends. It's because of the powerfully negative information that they contain. Why is it that the records concerning the assassination of uh, JFK were to be protected for 50 years? Why? Because of the explosive negative nature of their contents. But the documents related to Martin Luther King Jr. now that were sealed by court order until 2027 have ended up being made available in recent months through the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992. King, according to David Garrow, was once thought as a saint beyond reproach. But after his death, it eventually emerged that he was a womanizer, to put it mildly. So if these FBI memos are accurate, and he says, I have good reason to believe they are, we now have to ask the unthinkable. Now, what would be the unthinkable? That the messenger was not who he purported to be, not who he represented himself to be not who his handlers claimed him to be, not who the politicians that favored him claimed him to be and hid the other information concerning his life. What was the unthinkable? Was King an unfaithful womanizer and a man of promiscuity? The answer is yes, he was. All of the information points that way, even though it was suspected for a very long period of time. Garrow, in his article, outlined several of King's marital infelicities. That's a kind way of saying his breach of his marriage contract uh, covenant with his wife. In his 1986 biography of King but he often spared the names of the women involved to protect their identities. 
But finally, in 2010, Kentucky State Senator Georgia Davis Powers recounted her intimate relationship with Dr. King in her book, I Shared the Dream. Wow. I Shared the Dream. So she wants to participate in the dream by sharing her sexual liaison with the dream declarer. Now, if anything could be imagined more perverse than that, I don't know what it would be. But you see, once you begin to engage in throwing away your character so as to yield to the demands of your flesh, you will inevitably sacrifice the faith that you claimed was underlying your rhetoric. And that's what happened with Dr. King. It's painful. Some are saying, should not his statue be taken down? You're taking down the statues of all these other people because they had clay feet. They didn't match the current expectation. But of course now, Promiscuity has become a badge of honor, has become a quasi-claim of, shall we say, godless righteousness to do whatever you want to do, however you feel like doing it. And therefore, we shouldn't criticize Dr. Martin Luther King for these behaviors, this breach in his character, because We're all doing it. Just letting that sit for a while. Do you see what's happened to our country? The dream is becoming a nightmare. Because the very life of Martin Luther King Jr. set the stage for future behavior of black America. Unrighteous. So promiscuity now has become, since the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. disappeared from the planet, his behavior inaugurated or catapulted a new level of unrighteousness in black America. Now, how do we know that? Because the divorce rate in black America now exceeds that of all other people groups in the country. That is marital unfaithfulness. But that's not all. Even worse than that, perhaps, I don't know, fornication has become a badge of honor in black America. Yes, even in their churches. Yes. When Ebony Magazine can have on its cover, several years ago, a blatant presentation of the effort of black women sitting on the front pew of the churches to seduce their pastor. 
What more do you need to know? The spirit that has taken over in much of black America has so deprived the very people that were supposed to be delivered from bondage into an even more severe bondage, a spiritual bondage characterized by the bondage of Egypt and Pharaoh. This is terrifying to me. And for that reason, as I began to see this happening, and the Lord put upon my heart about 15 years ago, actually it was in 2005, Boy, it's more than 15 years ago. In 2005, saying, Chuck, I want you to plead the cause of black America for righteousness in the land. And so we began putting together a fact sheet called A Portrait of the Black Family. You can find it on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. We've updated it from time to time. It's been a few years since we have, but uh, we have updated it from time to time. The facts that you see there are basically current. A portrait of the black family. But when you read it, you will discover that the dream has become a nightmare. In fact, on the ground. Yes, there's more political freedom. Yes, there are much much, much greater financial freedom. But all having lost to spiritual bondage and unrighteousness. Take a look at it. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. We'll be right back after this. We have much more to talk about. I have a dream. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. I have a dream. Indeed, I do. I haven't lost the dream. As a patriot here in our country, one that has pursued righteousness in the land, and as best I could understand it, righteousness in my own life, knowing my clay feet, I still have a dream. The thing probably that scares me the most is what someone might think about my own life. So I want to ask you a question. Let's take the heat off of Martin Luther King Jr. for a moment. How about your life? Is there anything about your life that you would not want to be discovered? 
that you would want to remain hidden. Remember, Jesus said, whatever is uh, done in secret will ultimately be shouted from the housetops. To me, it's terrifying to think that my desire, my heart to do righteousness, to, to follow the Lord with a whole heart, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness should be defiled by unrighteousness. I can't think of anything more grievous. Can you? It was just last year that one of the most famous evangelical ministers and voices of the last generation was revealed to have been a pedophile. How has it affected his legacy? It doesn't change the rhetoric, but it colors the rhetoric because of the lack of righteousness, the inconsistency, gross inconsistency, not moderate inconsistency. Every one of us is prone to some sort of a more moderate you know, you might become angry at a time, you ask for forgiveness, you shouldn't have been angry, and so on. Yeah, that's an inconsistency, but we're talking about something that's egregious, something that's ongoing, something there was no repentance for, something that is just so blatantly unrighteousness. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about trying to tear down someone who has a different color of skin. It's not about that. It's about righteousness. Because for a professing Christian, the color of your skin is irrelevant. We are one in Christ. One blood in Christ's blood. Not to mention the fact that we all came through Adam and we all came through Noah. There's no place for pride. There's an arrogancy that comes in our life when we think and rationalize that we can live contrary to what we profess in our rhetoric, to what we profess in public. So here we are, what is it, the 93rd birthday of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who was just 39 when he was assassinated in 1968. Yet King's eldest son, now, in the last week or so, has criticized the Congress and the President as a whole for failing to pass voting rights legislation. This is not voting rights legislation, friends. This is voting fraud legislation. It has nothing to do with voting rights. Everyone has voting rights today. It's not about voting rights. It's about allowing, under color of law, unrighteous voting to accomplish nefarious ends. Deception. Fraud. That's not voting rights. So even in the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his own son is perverting unrighteousness in the name, supposedly, of righteousness. You see how this works? How we can rationalize unrighteousness to accomplish our own personal agendas? It's wickedness. Just 
plain wickedness. Yes, there's no question about it. America has defaulted on its promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. But much of that has already been recovered. Not all, but much. If you were to go to our website and look under fact sheets, you will find how true that is. The facts reveal something contrary to what is said oftentimes by Democrat rhetoric. Rhetoric is cheap. It's used to manipulate people, to get a hold of their emotions rather than their the legitimacy of their hearts. Go to the website, saveus.org, look for the fact sheet, a portrait of the black family. It will give you enough prayer points to pray for for the next uh, 30 days at least, maybe the whole year. My black brothers and sisters who are listening to this program should be the first ones to cheer what we are saying here today on this program. Because it's not about color. If we really believe this, it's not about color, it's about character. Then black America should be the first ones to cheer on what we're saying here today. Because it isn't about color. When are we going to get that through our heads? Yet racism is being doubled down on in the name of of fighting racism. Unbelievable how the dream becomes a nightmare. But let's talk about character. Let's talk about this character. Secret FBI tapes that accuse Martin Luther King Jr. of having extramarital affairs with 40 to 45 women even claim he looked on and laughed as a pastor friend raped a parishioner claims the author. David Guerra, Pulitzer Prize-winning author and biographer of MLK, says that the shocking files could lead to a painful historical reckoning for the man who is celebrated across the world for his campaign against racial injustice. The speech was gripping, A great speech. A stirring speech. Seeming to have the call of righteousness attached to it. But behind the speech was a life corrupted by gross promiscuity. Continuous promiscuity that defamed the creation ordinance of God. The marriage. That celebrated the breach of fidelity, the covenant of marriage with Coretta Scott King, 
and defamed her continually by his behavior, not being home, and cavorting with a group of black pastors who themselves were all engaged in these levels of promiscuity. It's unbelievable. Martin Luther King, who married Coretta Scott in 1953, is said to have carried out numerous affairs with dozens of women during his lifetime. The FBI surveillance tapes detailing his indiscretions are being held in a vault at the U.S. National Archives and are not due for release until 2027. David Garrow, a biography of King, who won a Pulitzer Prize for his 1987 book, Bearing the Cross, about the Baptist minister, has unearthed the FBI summaries of the various incidents. In one instance, the FBI planted transmitters in two lamps in hotel rooms that were booked by King in January of 1964, according to the Sunday Times. That is, the London Sunday Times. The recording from the Willard Hotel near the White House showed how Dr. King was accompanying his friend Logan Kearse, the pastor of Baltimore's Cornerstone Baptist Church, who died in 1991, along with several female parishioners of his church. In King's hotel room, the files claim they then discussed that is, King and those that were with him, and the other pastor that was with him, discussed which women among the parishioners would be suitable for natural and unnatural sex acts. The FBI document says when one of the women protested that she did not approve, the Baptist minister immediately and forcefully raped her as King watched on. King is alleged to have looked on, laughed, and offered advice during the encounter. The following day, King and a dozen others allegedly participated in a sex orgy engaging in acts of degeneracy and depravity. When one woman showed reluctance, King was supposedly heard saying that performing the act would help your soul. Senior FBI officials later sent King a copy of the incriminating tape and called him and his sexual exploits would be on record for all time. That, my friends, is why these records have been hidden until 1927, uh, 2027, because they are so revealing. The author, Garrow, said it poses so fundamental a challenge to his historical stature as to require the most complete and extensive historical review possible. Now, those who are on the liberal side of the ledger, politically, would throw up their arms and say, how dare you color the memory of such a wonderful man. We're not trying to color the memory. He colored the memory. He created his own legacy. 
a legacy of lasciviousness and promiscuity while giving public rhetoric that seemed to reveal something totally different. His life was inconsistent with his rhetoric. He had a cause that was righteous, but his character was not. And what really troubles me is that almost immediately after this uh situation took place and the FBI recorded these things he was assassinated what would be his eternal destiny what would be the eternal destiny I'm not asking you to judge but we need to think about things like this what would be the eternal destiny of a man who gave rhetoric of righteousness, but his life was totally the contrary, in absolute unmitigated rebellion against God's word and authority. That's the question that looms over our heads. What will be your legacy? Will it be a legacy of righteousness and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord? Or will it be a legacy of rhetoric that at some point will be revealed for its emptiness of character? Thanks for joining us here. Don't lose the dream, friends. Let's keep the dream of life in righteousness. For righteousness alone exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people of whatever color. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.